Most of you have no foundation at all. Now, the trouble's with your attitude. Some sort of anal dumpster sex back there. What's going She's on? like crying well, with laughter right now. Shut up and sit down. Yeah, but like my question to you is they had these old school, and we've talked about this on the show before. And actually, Chris, I think you were on this episode. Um, those Looney Tune shirts, and it's <laughs> yes. like bugs. Bugs and uh, Taz, and you know the front of the shirt is the front of them, the back of the shirt is the back of them, and there's a Dallas Cowboys one. Well, yeah, it's not just yeah, yeah. Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I've had teams. those. Like I've if, had those. If your mom showed up to your house now with that shirt, right, you know, right. even in your size, you're gonna be like, do I look like I'm in one of the homes with all those people that? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah. are you trying to? I'm not gonna wear this. I fucked it up. I hate the I practiced for a week. I'm not getting any better. No, Anyways, you're welcome awful. To, welcome to Critical Mass, everybody. Um, we have a fantastic show coming up for you today. Uh, we have... We do? Our friend Ruben Romero. And you can... Ruben. You too. <laughs> what up, what up? You got me up early, man. You got me up early this, this Sunday morning. My alarm went off and I was like, Rocco. <laughs> As most like, people do. Right. My girl was like, really? That's the first thing you're going to say out of your mouth? And I'm like, well, he's the motherfucker that's causing me to wake up this morning. So here we are. Most people wake up in pain when they say Rocco's name because of what happened the night before. <laughs> L- well, luckily, there was no pain. There was yeah. no pain. Okay, good. Yeah, Rock, good why did we bring hours. Rock? Tell the tell the <laughs> listening audience why we brought Ruben Romero onto the show today. Well, we brought we brought him on for many reasons. Um, one reason he's very handsome, and we wanted to talk about that. Um, but he's also a writer and creator of some pretty awesome comic books, and I would love to talk about that today. Um, and not only that, um. He's in Florida, and that is like, I mean, that's like the video game Fallout right now in, in, in Florida. <laughs> like, um, everyone's just struggling to survive, you know? It's, it's, it's a, it's a I don't even understand situation. that reference. <laughs> Dan hasn't been playing Fallout. He hasn't, he, he hasn't followed the, the, the game for, for, you know, how many years has it been out now? It's like 20. Oh, God. Um, 20 years for a video game? I remember, like um, I remember. I remember Tetris. Remember that? Tetris. <laughs> Tetris. You guys want to talk about Tetris? Te- no, you know, we really don't. <laughs> I, actually, I will say this. I think that Tetris is my earliest memories of being frustrated, like getting really pissed, 
And I don't remember like those kinds of swells of anger, except for like early Nintendo days, you know? That's weird. Like, are you sure you don't have an anger problem? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it stems from Nintendo. Like it wow. also, like I was a really cool, calm kid. Until I started playing Tetris and Mario Brothers and shit. And then that stuff started really pissing me off. You know? So yeah. I, I, I blame all my yeah. I blame all my anger issues on Nintendo. Blame my anxiety on my early video game playing, that's for sure. Some of those well, if you could some even of those levels. Get the Nintendo thing to work. You had to blow on it constantly. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking. 2020 is is just we're just a Nintendo cartridge that someone needs to blow in and just like put. Back. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Seriously. So, um, so Ruben, let's let's talk. So, um, you know, I I, I wanted a little bit of background, so I messaged you yet last night because I just, you know, I want to know what you do, and I know you do some amazing stuff. I've seen a lot of your posts. I've read a lot about what you do, your kickstarters. Um, so. You are the writer and creator of The Agency. You are the co-creator and co-writer of Infieri. And you are the adapter and writer for Pray for Angels. So if, if I can, I want to start there. Adapter. What, is that, what does that mean like to, like to the audience? I mean, to Dan, because he's an idiot. Um, what is adapter? <laughs> what does that mean exactly? Um, that just means that I was the lackey that got to grab the screenplay and break it down into, um, oh. into panels for, uh, okay. for a five issue series. Um, I, I, you know, I, I actually did it with love and, and I enjoyed the experience. Um, it was just one of those things where I didn't have a lot of creative control. Mm -hmm. So where I saw opportunities in story and things that would be cooler for the comic book, as opposed to the movie. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't able to inject those things, you know, I would, I would bring them to the table and kind of just, you know, be told, Hey, look, listen, if, if you need a short enough dialogue or you need to cut a scene, fine. But you know, the story's a story. Don't try to bring anything new to it. So it was like my first foray into working with somebody who was in the movie industry and somebody who, okay. you know, directs oh, wow. and writes. And, um, it was interesting because at the time they were pitching the 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 movie to uh, to movie studios and uh, and at the same time we were we were I was working with Sajad Shah on adapting the screenplay into five issue miniseries uh, wow. and and it was just a lot of it was just a lot of uh, of back and forth uh, with zero like you know creative input so to speak like. Yeah, I got to choose the artist and, and I got to kind of put together the tone and look and feel for the book. But a lot of that stuff I was informed through the script. Um, so it didn't yep. feel like it was it didn't feel like it was my baby. But I had a ton of fun okay. doing it. And um, and yeah, I mean, it was just that, that simple. You know, uh, my business partner knew the writer of Pray for Angels, yep. um, which is a really cool story. It actually it's a retelling of Jack the Ripper uh, that takes place oh, wow. in, 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 in Paris. Uh, and okay. we follow these three detectives, one of them who is from London, who was on the heels of Jack the Ripper, about to catch him, and all of a sudden Jack disappears. And like a bunch of years later, he's like in this um, sanitarium, like not in, he's not crazy, but he's like still obsessed. And uh, yeah. all of a sudden these killings and murders that, that, that are very similar to what was happening um, on what they called Ripper Street. Um, yep. He uh, he was like, wait a second, this is happening in France. And a detective comes to see him from France, this young, brash detective. 
who thinks that he can help him catch Jack. And uh, they bring him to Paris and, and, and there starts their adventure. So instead of keeping it in London, where Jack the Ripper mm -hmm. is usually known to be, mm -hmm. uh, we've moved him years later after his final kill over to, to Paris. And, uh, and there the story begins. And it kind of, it's kind of like a descending, like you, you, you start to ascend into the mouth of madness, so to speak. Uh, you okay. start to see all these uh, underground kind of uh, weird, um, you know, eyes wide shut type of places in Paris, these underground, uh, you know, kind of uh, rich people living in these, in their own kind of world. Uh, and you start oh, to find wow. out that this killer is like picking these people off from these certain places. Um, and uh, I don't want to give it away, but, but, you know, they think, they think it's Jack and it ends up being okay. something else. And we kind of end up finding out kind of where Jack's legend comes from and how his legend was born. Uh, so okay. it's a fun book. It's a five issues, uh, complete story. Uh, you know, there is no, okay. you know, continuation or, or any other books you got to buy. It's just that, you know, the five issues or the volume. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was written by Christian Fraga, this, the screenplay, and I got to adapt it. Okay. So where, where could I find Pray for Angels if I wanted to, if I wanted to have the, the five issues in my hand? Uh, print wise, I don't know if, um, I don't know if we've if 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 they've got them up for print, but digitally you can get them on Comixology. Okay, got it. Very because awesome. Because again, awesome. The, the, the books don't belong to me. The rights to the book don't belong to me. They belong to my business uh, partner. Gotcha. So so okay. again, like okay. once we ran out of books, once we went to the cons and ran out of books, and he paid off the artist, he kind of just left it digital. But but yeah, you can find them on Comixology. Okay. Okay. Ruben, help explain to me and to any listener that that might be listening. Because I, I knew nothing about this world, mm -hmm. and everything that you said was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was able to follow a little bit, but um, help us understand, is there a movie about this? You said it was adapted from a screenplay. Mm -hmm. So where can we find this movie? What is it titled? Um, well, the movie's still being shopped. It's actually got reworked into uh, a series for BBC. Okay, okay. So, oh, wow. they, you know, last I heard they were they were punching away at casting, you know, and uh, and it's it's sitting at BBC with uh, with a green light. What you know, and, and in the industry, that's good and bad because it means that your show is picked up and you can you can start to work on it. Um, right. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that your show is going to make it to air. So it's really mm -hmm. about the product that you put together. Yeah, they like your idea enough to to let you go forward with it, and they might even inject you know inject some cash in there so you can get get things going. But uh, at the end of the day, if it doesn't you know if it doesn't meet meet their quality or or turn out to be what they thought it was going to be, that may never be seen. So Christian, I'm sure is still working hard at at getting this thing done. Um, I know it was his baby when we were working on the book, uh, and that was back in 2016. So oh, wow. it's been a few years, uh, but that's the way TV works, man. TV and movies work. I mean, you know, they'll be they'll be sitting in pre-production for years, you know. Wow. Uh, wow. So and it would so, be called uh, Pray for Angels as well. Do you think they might? No, okay. no, that was that's the name of the that's the name of the screenplay. Yeah, you know? that was the name wow. of the movie. Um, could it change? Yeah, maybe you get, you know, suits and ties in there and they think that, yeah. maybe if, you know, they, they work with their PR firms and they. They'll, you know, workshop a bunch of names and different things and logos. Um, so, you know, one of my favorite stories is 
the uh, the the Duffer brothers and how they created the you know uh, or had the thought process of how the Stranger Things introduction was going to yeah. look. Um, and uh, and they had very early success because they knew exactly what they wanted it to be, and uh, they knew exactly who they wanted to reach out to, and and they were able to do that. So sometimes. It's all about, yeah, the, the, the original, the inception, the, the original idea is perfect and it doesn't need any workshop or any, any changes. But then sometimes you get something that, that goes through an, you know, an evolving process, like a Pokemon, so to speak. Like the original idea is great, <laughs> but it can be better. It can, it can be worked out. It can, you, know, you can add different layers. Like if you pick up the Umbrella Academy in comic book form and then go watch the first season on Netflix, it's a different beast. It's a different sort oh, of... Huh? type mm. of type of story i mean the, the 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 dna is there of the umbrella academy but visually and story wise it takes a different path <clears throat> okay okay so where let's let's take it to the beginning let's let's go all the way to the beginning um where where did you say i i got to do comics I gotta, I, I gotta be in this. I gotta do this. Obviously, you've had success in in what you're doing. Obviously, you have talent to have these, um, these things happen. I mean, from what I've seen online, the digital stuff, it all looks beautiful. Um, but where did that come from? Where were you like, I'm, I'm fucking making comics. That's, that's it. That's my life. Um. <clears throat> Well, for, for a long time, I, I was rapping. I was making music and I was putting out mixtapes and going um, and doing small clubs and things like that with, um, with, a, with a good friend of mine who is still doing the music uh, and still does music. And, um, and then my mom passed away. Uh, no. and, Sorry to hear that. Uh, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's all part of life. Um, and it kind of put me in a situation where I started to think about my own mortality and like my mm-hmm. own life choices and what I've been doing. Um, so when she passed away, um, I decided that I was going to, to do something different. Um, so I started writing a screenplay with a good friend of mine, uh, called highly contagious, uh, which is kind of a, it's kind of like a zombie land meets half baked situation. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a zombie, it's a zombie apocalypse uh, about a. It's a zombie apocalypse story about a bunch of stoners who um, who are at the epicenter uh, of the zombie outbreak in Miami, Florida. Uh, and one of their best friends, Slim, uh, accidentally picked up Patient Zero the night before and was bit. And before he turns, uh, they all feel bad for him, so they give him the last joint that they have before they go out on the road uh, and leave him behind to turn because um, nobody wants to kill him. Uh, and he smokes. And our, our heroine of the story, um, she's like this super brain biochemist, super, you know, uh, total opposite kind of, of what you think a stoner would be. And she starts yeah. to realize that after he takes like the first few puffs, like his skin tone starts to get better and his eyes get less bloodshot and she's like wait a second like there's something going on here so they decide to just keep him smoking and throughout the movie they go through throughout their whole they try to pick up like their their drug dealer and their drug dealer is like still alive and like there's like a bunch of like just funny you know stereotypical kind of stoner stuff 
but then there's also like the underlying type of you know message that I was trying to put out, which is like people who smoke weed aren't bad people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They aren't necessarily zombie derelicts who just sit around all day and just get yeah. high. You know, there there's there's a whole plethora uh, and there's all kinds of stoners. Um, and we can be very resourceful when we need to be. So I thought it was funny um, to put a That's bunch awesome. of uh, stoners who are not only worried about getting out alive and getting their friend better, um, but also worried about maybe picking up a pound or two before they get onto like some military base where they're <laughs> never going to have to leave uh, again uh, or some underground bunker where they might be there forever. And in turn, we find out that weed is actually the cure when synthesized THC injected directly into a zombie will reverse his zombieism. Hmm. Um, so I thought it was really it was just fun. It was just fun. Yeah. It wasn't anything. It wasn't anything serious. The science wasn't real. You know, it was just I had sure. a lot of fun writing it. Um, I had been kicking the idea around in my head for years. Uh, and we actually uh, entered the, the script into an Amazon project, Amazon script writing project. And we got a ton of love. We just didn't win. Um, oh man! We got a lot of love. We got a lot of love and a lot of great comments. And people were like, "Dude, this thing is great. This is hilarious." I was laughing throughout the whole thing. Uh, this movie needs to get made. Blah blah blah. I had all these comments, and then we lost. And I was like, "Well, I'm obviously talented. Like, there's there's something here. I know I can do. <laughs> I know I can do. I'm this. very I'm good like, at this. Yeah, I'm <laughs> very good at this. You know, I was like sucking my own dick already. <laughs> Fucking first screenplay. No, Ruben." Ruben, are you a writer and an illustrator? No, fuck no. I wish I could draw, dude. I would, oh, okay. If I, if I could draw, I would have 12 books out because I would be constantly drawing. I wish it was gotcha. my talent. I, I wish that was my talent. But um, but yeah, after after Highly Contagious, we just I, I sat around for days and I was like, man, I, I want to write something else. But if we write a script, we need to, you know, it's just going to sit there. You know, I don't know what to do with it at that point. I knew no, nothing about directing, nothing about cameras, nothing. You know, I was like, what do I do? So my my roommate at the time, Roger, who had moved in with me to kind of be my, be there for me after my mom died and, and things like that um, and, and didn't want me to be alone. Uh, he moved in, in the apartment with me and was like, dude, why don't we write a comic book? And I was like, shit, you're right. I was like, we can do a comic book. We can we know we can find an artist, whatever, blah, blah. And uh, slowly but surely, the agency was born, you know, um, we went through several topics of what we were going to write about. But one night I was like doing the dishes and he was like, bro, what about mages? He was like, you ever heard of a mage? Because he's all big into anime. And, uh, and I was like, no, nah, explain to me what a mage is. And he's like, well, it's kind of like Harry Potter. It's kind of like a wizard, but without a staff, their magical powers come from inside or or like they'll have, you know, certain trinkets or something that they can use for magic. And I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. And then my, you know, cog started to turn and I was like, well, I was like, I want to ground it. You know, I was like, I want to Christopher Nolan this bitch and like make it real life. Like how would, how would if, if magic was real and, and mages were real, how would our world respond? And I immediately thought, well, our government would for sure try to control it through mm -hmm. some sort of three letter <laughs> agents, through, through some sort of three letter agency. So I developed, uh, we, they'd I be in cages, the, cages right, for they, mages. Cages for mages. Um, <laughs> damn, I think I'm going to use that at the beginning of issue six. Um, so basically, they uh, they create. I created this uh, three-letter organization called the IAM, the International Agency of Magic, and uh, they're a global organization that is ran for, uh, ran by, and created by mages. So so 
things like cages like mages won't happen, right? Uh, but and of course, like with anything, <laughs> with with any uh, clandestine organization, uh, things start to creep in and secrets get to, you know, favors start to be done and uh, strings are pulled and all of a sudden it, it's it's very uh, unbeknownst to 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 our A team, so to speak. Uh, the head of the agency, Chief uh, Chief Embriesco, has been compromised. And he's been compromised uh, by Tivo, which is like this, talk about evil incarnate, just think Mitch McConnell and like, you know, <laughs> a, K- a KKK, like Grandmaster Wizard Dragon had a baby. <laughs> this, this would be, this would be Tivo. He hates everything and everybody, uh, including mages and humans alike. And he just wants to rule uh, because he feels that a mall, which is like, Again, I'm going off on these tangents, but Amal is like the, the creator of magic and like at the beginning of time, kind of like snuffed Tivo and was like, you don't get no power. You know what I'm saying? Like you, I know yeah. what you're going to be. And in trying to destroy him, he created an enemy, you know, and he created a villain. Um, and uh, Tivo was able to, you know, fast forward, you know, get into our timeline, right? Um, after all this time and... Uh, compromise Embriesco and he compromises him to go after a child that is going to be introduced in in the agency named Riley Dean uh and the mages in our world if you're a healer you're a healer if you're a censor you're a censor you can't cross streams so to speak like you can't do somebody else's kind of magic um your power is your power uh Riley Dean though uh (laughs) He's important because he can do it all. And according to the history of written magic, there has never been a mage to be able to do it all. So Tivo. So that's this like kid. the catalyst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that's our MacGuffin. That's our MacGuffin. That's that's the thing that keeps the story moving. Um, and Tivo wants this kid. And then these are a team, so to speak, uh, Victoria, Remo, Ao, and Paul. Um, they get tasked to pick up this kid. And when they're on their way. Uh, he accidentally discovers his powers, uh, his magical powers during a robbery, and he blows like a hole in the side of the building and he throws like the gun, the arm robber through the hole, you know, with this physical power beam that comes out of his chest that he can't control. And uh, he runs away because a cop tries to stop him and the agency intervenes, picks him up and they go with the fact that, hey, kid, we were just happened to be here. You know, they don't tell him that they were coming for him. Um, sure. And by the end of the first volume, Remo um, and Victoria, which are kind of like our co-leaders, um, and, uh, you know, they start to ask questions and they start to figure out, like, wait a second, we're not getting all of the information here. Embry's hiding something here. Um, so they start to ask questions. And then through another agent in London um, who picks up this very, very old book, uh, finds out that Dean is actually the last name uh that can be traced back to the denines and the denines are the first apprentices of amal who was the god of magic so now they've got these little pieces of information about riley's past and who riley might be you're making uh, me want to read this yeah you're making me want to read this no i i want i want i want to know where where can we get this book and how many issues are there of this um, right now, uh, digitally, it's on Comixology. Um, okay. And uh, physically, 
Uh, I'm throwing up a website in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in 2000. And, oh, nice. Well, we're in 20, right? So 2018, I want to say, I want I experienced uh, an apartment fire. I think we were already boys at that point. I think you know we were talking on yeah. on Facebook and stuff like that. We were in the same groups yep. already. Um, so I, I I lost all of the agency all of the agency books I had. Um, oh but, God. But luckily, I just had a very successful Kickstarter for issue number six and issues one through five. So I was able to to print up some copies, and now I'm going to start, you know, uh, got the ball rolling on that. Um, so I got I got the Kickstarter funds coming in. That's helping fund the prints for that. And I was able to, of course, put in a little bit of a, my own personal investment so that I can get a couple more books printed up. So soon I'll, I'll have physical copies and throw it up on my website, and I'll start promoting that. But for right now, if you want to jump on it and you're listening to this, uh, you can head on over to Comixology, uh, and you can buy Volume 1 digitally um and uh and and dive right in that's great sweet sweet that's really, that's really good stuff uh rock i know maybe you have some questions but and uh we do need to move on no i did have a question for ruben you seem to be extremely creative and talented at least in that aspect um as far as writing goes and just coming up with ideas very original ideas what is your schooling like? Did you go to college for writing? Did you excel in writing in high school? What was that like for you? Or did you just say, fuck it? You know, what was the what was the timeline for you as far as that goes? Um, nah, man. Like I said, bro, uh, I, I was rapping for like 10 years, uh, probably throughout my whole 20s. Maybe I, I, I probably stopped like maybe 26, turning 27. But I was rapping since I was like 19. Um, I dropped out of high school um like a moron um and went on the road and worked for my uncle for about two years doing state fairs and things like that um and then my boy started rapping and I thought that I could do it too and uh, and it turned out that I was pretty good at that because it involved writing it involved being creative um Mm -hmm. and um and I'm and I'm just very naturally very competitive so when 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 I see my my peers doing things that I feel like I can do, then that kind of just pushes me to to want to do it. And and there's also that young mentality of like, you know, as you go, as where your friends go, you follow, so to speak, mm-hmm. or vice versa, as you go, your friends follow. Um, so I I really had no schooling. Uh, you know, I wish I did. There are so many times where I sit back and I think, man. If I only would have finished high school and gone to school and got my creative writing degree, maybe I'd be sitting in a writer's room right now, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sitting, you know, on a, on a syndicated show or in Warner Brothers writing the next, you know, the next good Green Lantern movie. Um, you know, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I, I have all these, you know, regrets. I know you shouldn't. But what are but you I do. talking about? There's already a great Green Lantern movie. Come on now. <laughs> right. I, I can only I can only hope. To write something as good as that, um, but yeah, no, no, no schooling. Um, now that doesn't mean that I haven't honed my craft. Um, I've taken full advantage of masterclass, you know, and um, listened to greats like Aaron Sorkin, who I think is just brilliant. Um, who writes the who wrote the West Wing, that did Molly's Game, wrote the Social Network. Um, the guy's just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, you know, and, and then there's, you know, tons of other writers and directors that I've been able to listen to and talk to and learn from. And then, of course, my peers, my indie comics peers. There's so many people that I've learned from. Um, Martin Dunn, who is a, a great creator and writer. Uh, Bob Sally, another great creator and writer. And then our really good friend, Casey Bowker, 
um, who also uh, is is a great talented uh, writer and creator. Uh, so I'm, you know, I I don't I think I had a natural talent very early on. I wrote fan fiction for Power Rangers, Star Wars, Ninja Turtles. I read comic books growing up. Um, creativity was always, you know, my imagination. My brothers, I have five brothers, but my three, the two closest to me, are like like eight or nine years older than me. So they weren't playing with me. You know, I was very much alone. Oh. As a kid. So, so no schooling, just a lot of alone time, a lot of TV watching, a lot of reading. Uh, my mom handed me uh, my first book when I was, my first novel when I was nine, and that was it. Um, so, you know, I was growing up reading Stephen King and De- Dean Koontz and, and things like that, Michael Crichton. Um, so it's just, I, I've got a lot of great, founding fathers and mothers so to speak that that kind of fueled my creativity that's interesting uh-huh. that's cool so you had basically have like a mount rushmore i know that's sort of a sensitive topic right now <laughs> of uh of your sort of personal creative heroes and you'd put like what dean Koontz and stephen king and maybe your michael mom Crichton. yeah michael, michael Crichton, Crichton. my mom my mom is my mom especially like i said i mean what what mother gives their kid you know it Right, like that early on. At, at yeah. early age. that was the <laughs> first book. Jeez. That's um, gonna go. That's gonna go either really well or really poorly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and but but it just you know I devoured the book right and um and anybody who's seen that book it's huge. It's not an easy it's, task. I have it. Um, yeah, right. It's a long book. Right. So. You, you use know, it to stand on, don't you, Rocco? To like grab things out of the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, I can't reach, so I yeah. Believe you me, as a little kid, I, I did the same thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was it was that, and you know, and and then just turned around and 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 reading, you know, all his, the rest of his books because um, she was a huge Stephen King fan. So yeah, so I mean, she just she just kind of fueled my fire um, unknowingly, really. I think she was just trying to get me to read, um, yeah. and and read something fun that she enjoyed, and uh, and in doing so, she kind of lit a fire. Uh, inside of me that made me realize like, oh, this is, this, this, I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. You have to feed that creativity. Even if you notice mm-hmm. it at a young age, don't ignore it. You got to feed it, feed it, feed it. And she did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She watered that Absolutely. flower for sure. You know, yeah, I do, I do sense a little bit that you've, you know, you kind of feel like maybe you should have stayed in high school. You should have done this. I hope that there's no tinge of regret in your voice, Ruben, because you come off to us at least as a creative genius and i know that word gets thrown around but you're extremely cerebral uh creative um talented and and most most importantly you seem very ambitious and from what i've learned about the creative and successful people in the world that we know of today they didn't hit their stride they didn't hit their success until well after 40 years old I mean, when was the last time you heard of a of a super mogul, you know, success star under the age of thirty? It's like extremely rare. Right. You know. I yeah. Mean, no. Yeah, I mean, it happens. It. I mean, but it's mostly, you know, it's mostly in the music game or 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 something or it's like some phenomenal, you know, tech guru app. You know, something happens like that. But you know, young early success early on to me kind of always equates to a lot of luck and just mm-hmm. a lot of you know, being in the right place at the right time, you know, 100%. knowing it's about so, knowing people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so there aren't, uh, there aren't, there aren't regrets. There's just, you know, kind of situations where you look at it and you say, okay, maybe with this ambition and this creativity, if I would have put myself in a place to be there earlier, 
could have I could I be in a different place than I am now? But I think you know everybody asked themselves that at some point, you know. Um, but yeah. I'm very, but I'm very comfortable with what I'm doing right now, and I, and I, and I believe that I'm you know at the precipice, like I'm at the door. I just need to be able to kick that motherfucker in, you know, yeah. or at least <laughs> at least get him at least get him to crack it open, so I can just you know shove my foot in there and, right, uh, right, and right. you know and scream at somebody, you know. Right. Well. Before we before we go to commercial, one more question, and mm-hmm. um, you know, just based on what you're saying, maybe get get a little personal. Um, you have the most adorable son I've ever seen. I mean, next to my next to my son, of course. Right. <laughs> but, um, and and you know, you said obviously you you didn't move forward with your education, but you know, obviously something big came of this and just like and to echo Dan's sentiments talking to you for the you know the past year or so um that you and I have been chatting online um obviously you know I know how incredibly creative you are and all our conversations are always hilarious um when he gets older you know how like and and he are you gonna push his education are you gonna push his like where where does it stand if he came to you and said, Dad, I don't wanna I don't wanna finish school. I wanna do this. Mm-hmm. Like based on your experience specifically, how how do you think and I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, it just it, it just makes me wonder, you know, not a bad way. Um just right. how would you handle that? You know, I know I I could tell how much you adore your son. <laughs> You're an amazing dad. So where where would that fall? Do you know what I mean? Um you know it just really depends on on i guess what i see from him you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of you know talk of you can't make your kids do things that yep. that you know you can't vicariously live through them mm. just because you mm-hmm. you know just because you you get to control their life for 18 years or whatever um you really got to you know i think you got to let them be them um i do think that if he grows up under my wing and he and and i'm able to do the things that I'm doing and he sees me having fun and enjoying it and loving it and, and succeeding and having success. I do feel like there might be an opportunity where he'll be like, I want to do what dad does. I want to write, I want to mm-hmm. create, uh, or he might want to be the artist. And I think in that case, yes, I think education would be pushed because again, man, like you, if you're a freshman at USC, you know, in the middle of Southern California and you're around the next wave of J.J. Abrams mm-hmm. and, and Matt Reeves mm-hmm. and, and all these, of course, you're going to have these opportunities to build your team, man. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, it's very different, like, when you're just ambitious and you're on your own and you light a fire under, like, you light a fire in your friend's belly about writing and being creative and you get, like, some other friend to kind of start learning how to do something else. And then mm-hmm. you're kind of, like, trying to build this, you know, ace team of people who weren't really trying to do all of this um, mm. when in all reality, you could have just from the beginning surrounded yourself with like-minded people. So I think I'm not going to stress so much how much school is important. I'm going to stress to him how important it is to build yourself and put yourself around people who are trying to do the same thing you are, mm. because these people are the people who are going to, who you're going to see down the road. And, uh, mm-hmm. and if you've got friends who want to direct and want to write and want to draw, well, then you guys can become the team and you don't have to do it all on your own. Um, so to me, yeah, man, I would hate to see him do it. But again, if he turns out to be some just freaking genius 
you know, whatever he's trying <laughs> to pursue. I don't care, man. As long as you're happy and you're a good person, yep. you know, genuinely in your heart, um, that to me is all that's, that matters. You know, being saddled with a hundred grand in student debt doesn't make you a better person. Uh, I'm not saying true. that school makes you a better person. I'm saying that it puts you around the people who are trying to do the same things that you are. And I think that that can be very key. Very yeah, key. That makes, yeah, that makes a it's lot a of tough, sense. It's a tough Dan- one. There's so many variables, you know, you're throwing the dice. It's like, yeah. I wouldn't trade what I did in college for anything. It was amazing. And right. I, I'm so glad that I went. But it's like, really, the amount of debt that I have right now, it's it's crippling. And mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. that it's worth it. I just don't know. It's so hard. Right. And you you use your degree every day, Dan, right? Well, okay. First of all, you know, I, I had a concentration <laughs> in, in studio arts. Uh, I got a BFA, a bachelor's in fine arts, and a concentration in photography. I use my photography a lot. I've done a lot of photographs, including uh, your wedding photos, there, asshole. So you can shut and the fuck my up. kids' fo- and my kids' photos and That's my right. engagement photos. Um, <laughs> so. But I, I do find that my that I am a better person for it for getting a degree. I think I'm more intelligent i think i've learned a lot i think i've learned how to learn i think that's one of the biggest things too i mean i was around creative people for four straight years that has an impact on you it just does yeah uh but if i hear a kid who's like look i'm really really good at this one thing and i want to do it then i wouldn't i wouldn't stop them you know what i mean so no me me neither man me neither i you know i it's funny because you have all these kids like my my nephew who loves Fortnite, and you know, you you talk about like, oh, I don't want my kid. My my brother's like, I don't want my kid, you know, spending ten hours in front of the video game. I'm like, you know that if your kid is spends ten hours in front of the video game and he gets really good, he can go sit in some epicenter of like, you know, some stadium of e gaming and win a million dollars. Like the world yep. is different now. It's crazy, you know. Yeah, it, the yeah. world is different now. So if you if you yeah. notice that your kid is great at video games. Like the other day, remember I shared that video of that kid of uh, in in Call of Duty Warzone. Kid couldn't have been more than nine years old. Oh was, yeah, yeah. He was just dropping people, and I'm like, yeah. If that's my if that's my kid, I'm 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 putting every video game in front. I'm of calling him. a therapist. <laughs> right. Well, that too, but um, you know, but but I'm de- I'm developing I'm developing his gaming man because this is the next great gaming kid of the future, and if he can win a bunch of money to help him go go towards the future why not you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah. so it's like you like we said you gotta you gotta find that early on and identify what what it is there you know what talent what creativity what 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 floats their boat and then you gotta nurture that man you yeah. know and you gotta and you gotta fan those flames so you know i'll be taking cues Absolutely. from him man Right on, right on. Well, with that, we're going to be right back. Uh, just, you know, keep those earbuds in because after you hear some uh, awesome commercials that are just so awesome and they're commercially, then we'll be right back. <laughs> are you a small business looking to advertise on Critical Mass Podcast? Well, check us out on our Facebook page at Critical Mass Podcast 69. Contact us there to find out what your options are. We'd love to get the word out there about your business. Check us out. Gary's Guns, Guns, Guns. 
Gary's Guns, Guns, Guns is back at again, back at it again. Sorry, they have uh, what are called hero pins. Okay, so you know how basically if you go out in public and you don't want to wear a mask, you're like a hero, you know, because you're sacrificing, you're showing everyone that you're a rebel and you don't give a fuck. Um, and, and Gary wants to honor those uh, brave men and women who go out without a face mask to show the world how cool they are and how much they don't give a fuck. So here's your little pin you can buy. Um, they come in many different shapes. And you can put them on your hat, your tactical vest, your leather jacket, whatever you want to do. Uh, it comes in a lot of shapes, but including and not limited to a tiny dick, uh, also known as AR-15. Or a mask with a no symbol over it. Yeah. He also has a white fist raised in the air. Because, <laughs> you know, they're so oppressed. And uh, you can also get a dunce cap. Either one. Uh, there's lots more to choose from online. Go to Gary's Guns, Guns, Guns.com for yours today. <laughs> Wouldn't it be oh. great? If there was a website that was Gary's Guns, 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 and we're actually directing people. So, like, this guy there, probably owns, there's like, a small smart gun shop. There. there is, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's just like, I don't know I don't know where all this traffic is coming from. But... <laughs> and I don't have any pins. Yeah. yeah, right. Like, I don't know what the hell. These people keep coming in asking for these there's pins. Like Gary's Guns in a small town in Utah that has just been exploding with traffic. <laughs> Well, well, you know, oh, I, got a fun, I got a funny story. Actually, uh, Wednesday morning, I woke up to go to a local print shop to get the shirts yeah. done for the Kickstarter. And I had never been in there. Um, I, I just wanted to see if I could get all of my printing stuff done in one place. And uh, so I went to this shop and the I walk up and there's a, you know, hey, because of Hillsborough County, you know, you got to wear your mask, blah, blah, blah. When you're in, please ring the doorbell. So I, you know, throw on my mask, ring the doorbell. Young girl, must have been 12, 13, maybe, you know, out of school, you know, working from, you know, from her parents' shop. Obviously, the parents owned it. She's, she opens the door, no mask. So I was like, okay, cool. I walk in, there's a customer there, no mask. Lady behind the counter, no mask. So she's like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, just, you know, I'm here to talk about some shirts or whatever, blah, blah. And she's like, all right, give me a minute. So I start looking around the shop and I'm looking around the shop. And all of a sudden, I, I look at the, the rack of shirts that they've got. And uh, first, I see a skull with these two assault rifles crossed in front of it. Uh, and then I see, oh, like, God. another shirt with, like, a bullet that has, like, it looks like the Coke, uh, the Coca-Cola font, but it says freedom. And then right next to that one, there's a shirt with a bottle and a label. And it says, liberal tears, 300 tears, good for cleaning. And I said... I say, excuse me, ma'am, I'll be right back. And I just <laughs> turned around and I left. And, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I ordered my shirts from Custom Ink online because what the fuck? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, who do you people think you are? You know? Like, you think that you're a fucking patriot? You think that you're some sort of badass? Because Ruben, do you want to explain? I don't think we brought up where you're from or where you are currently, that is. Um, is. I'm, I'm in, well... I'm from Venezuela. I was actually born in Venezuela. Oh, wow. Um, in, in Maracaibo. Uh, I came to, uh, I, I was, you know, came here to, the, to, to America when I was four years old. Uh, born in, wow. and, ra- and raised in Miami uh, until 
about 16 years old. Then I went to go play basketball uh, for a high school in Asheville, North Carolina, um, which is which was a mind blowing experience oh, uh, going from Miami, Florida to Asheville, North Carolina. Um, <laughs> the first time I had ever heard the word spick, which was really cool. Um, but, um, Jesus. but yeah, it was, uh, but, but, you know, it was an interesting experience, but yeah, I grew up in my, and now I live in, in Tampa. Like I, like I mentioned, I don't want to go back into that, but after my mom passed away, I stayed another year in the apartment that me and her lived, which was not good for me. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I was invited to Tampa Bay comic con, uh, and my brother and his wife had just moved here with their daughters from Utah. Uh, so I got to see my nieces for the first time in a while. And I was just dealing with a lot of stuff and um i had this really cool walk from the hotel to the convention center every morning that was just extremely calming you know it was just like very Mm -hmm. serene and and uh i don't know man it was just one of those things where i just wanted to be around family you know i had lost my rock my queen and i got these two little queens growing up and i wanted to be around Mm -hmm. them and i wanted to be in their lives so i was like you know what i'm moving to tampa um so i got my shit and i moved to tampa so now i'm here um, so I've been here since, you know, for about five years, going on five years now. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I wanted to mention that because you talked about the story that was happening to you at the print shop and I wanted mm-hmm. people to know exactly what state you were in. Yeah. Although to be, <laughs> to be fair, you know, that could have happened in any state. I mean, it happens in upstate New York too, mm-hmm. that kind of shit. Yeah. So, but that is interesting. So you walked right out of the store. I mean, you're right. It is completely fucked up. I mean. They have every right to, you know, make whatever T-shirts they want and run a business the way they want to. Uh, It's just odd that you would purposely be so politically one-sided as a business. I mean, that's your storefront. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like they don't care. Just as just like my my just like my 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 best friend, you know, he calls me up and he's like, he's like, Ruben, stop, because I got into a, a discussion on Facebook. I was going to bring um, this up. I was going to bring you know, this up because I remember this. Um, and he was like, dude, you got to stop. And I'm like, and I'm like, stop what? And he's like, he's like, look, man, it's cool. He's like, I get it. I'm with you. But you're trying to break into an industry. And I'm like, you know, and I cut him off. That's 99% liberal. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody is going to get mad at me. I'm like, I might get a convention owner who's money hungry and who just upped his tax bracket so now all of a sudden he's republican you know what i'm saying but that doesn't mean (laughs) shit to me you know what i'm saying and if you don't want me on your con floor because i think that our current administration is a fucking toddler with a shotgun Mm. well then i don't give a fuck you know what i'm saying it's worse than that he has fucking nuclear codes right exactly so to me it's like so to me uh at this point uh and yes i'm very you know fired up right now because i I do think of like, like where this country started and how it started, and the the fire that was in people's bellies to change the world. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. like we've all become like these drooling skin pods, just worried about what the fuck the Kardashians are doing. You know what I'm saying? And like, and like nobody cares anymore that our president has blatantly fucking broken the law over and over again and continues to do so i mean he just had a bunch of fucking goya products on the resolute desk and yeah okay 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 ruben but i'm pretty sure that obama wore a brown suit once so we can have this discussion but it's gonna go both ways yeah 
Yeah, uh, no, it, that's and that's what I deal with on a daily basis. So it's like, you know, it's it's just it's just a little maddening, and uh, and, and just to kind of just put a cap on it, I'm not gonna shut the fuck up. If you don't mm-hmm. want to read my comic book because I think that Trump is a piece of shit, or because I believe believe that women have the the choice to govern their own bodies, you know, like these are things that are fundamental. Like it's not political, it's morals. I have a fucking moral bar and I'm not going to compromise that just to sell a fucking comic book. So if you don't like what you're hearing now, you know, then don't read my book because I killed Donald Trump in the beginning of agent, the agency number six, you know, literally the first three pages are a presidential assassination by a mage who kills Donald Trump. So, and I make no qualms about it. You know who the guy is at the beginning of my book. Not that I want to see him dead. I don't wish death on anybody. But I thought it would be a fun way to open the book and kind of set the tone <laughs> for where we're going in terms of how these mages and how mages are going to be looked at in our world going here on now. So I thought it was a very, you know, important thing to do. Um, and no, I don't wish death on him. I don't. Do I wish diarrhea on him? every fucking day like uncontrollable explosive (laughs) diarrhea Mm -hmm. i wish on him every day death no death is easy man when you're dead you're gone you don't have to deal with your repercussions you don't have to deal with them i want this guy to live for 50 more years so he can answer for everything that he's done in the last four and in his life in his lifetime so um you know i like i said i'm not going to be quiet um i feel like i have a voice and if i can speak my mind and hopefully light a fire under somebody's ass to go out and vote and open their eyes and care about what the fuck is going on in this world. I'm going to try to do that too, man, because to me, that's, it's key, bro. It's, it's super key. It's absolutely. And I think too, and uh, you know, more for Dan, uh, Dan, I mean, Ruben was very public. Cause I remember, I remember on Facebook, um, you had some comments and some dude was commenting about how like, you're you're creative and like this could do damage to like your comics and i love that you turned around and what you're telling us is exactly what you said publicly like i don't give a fuck if they don't want to listen to my comic if they don't want to read my comics fuck them it it, do, it doesn't matter and and i think the big difference is between going into a print shop and seeing things that say liberal tears and that these are folks that are coming from an uneducated background to push some kind of pretty violent agenda, whereas you're coming at this not really even politically, more more morally, is you know Black Lives Matter. People should a medical insurance should be a right. Um, you know things that are that you're speaking on are not you know well you know black people are different from me, so I hate them. Like that's not an opinion. You're a racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and and Dan, just kind of for your your edification here, you know, Ruben was very public about this, and I, I found that to be brave when you're trying to sell something that is your your work. Do you know what I mean, Dan? Yeah, it's it's a risk that you have to take. Unfortunately, in these these times, I mean, everything is so polarized, and mm-hmm. everybody's been given that advice when they're in some sort of industry that sells things that you you have to remain non political in order to gain a, a larger audience. But at the end of the day, it's going to be almost impossible, right? Some some way, shape, or form, something's. If you try and walk that thin line, something's going to come out or be taken or read the wrong way, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have to choose a side. 
So you might as well from the beginning. That's you know? that's the way that I look at it. That's the way I look. You're gonna judge me anyway. Right. Something I'm gonna say is gonna rub you the wrong way anyway. Yeah. So might as well just put it out on the table right now. This is who I am. Yeah. You know, this is this is the way that I feel. Like Rocco said, healthcare is a human right. Women have the right to choose their their what happens to their bodies and whether or not they're having babies. You know, black you know black lives do matter. Um, this isn't about white lives or Hispanic lives mattering any less. The, you know, I'm Hispanic. I'm not black. You know what I'm saying? I'm Hispanic. I'm Venezuelan, Cuban. Both of my home origin countries are have been raped by communism. So do you think I'm some communist, uh, you know, liberal who wants to strip you of your freedom of speech? No, I just don't fucking think that that a loser flag should be flying above a state building. I don't think that we should be giving participation <laughs> statues to fucking piece of shit generals. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you know. And oh, my God. Like, you know, that's right. Then, they you know, are then, participation statues. They are. <laughs> Participation <laughs> trophies. You know, that's what's right. hilarious to me is what's hilarious to me is that they that 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 sort of that's where they came from, right? Like that we that liberals have are giving kids participation trophies and not holding them yeah. accountable, motherfucker. You know you you've been you've been worshiping at the feet of participation statues for how long now? You know what that's I'm saying? That's crazy. Like, so you know don't don't get mad when we're here to tear it down. Listen, we're not gonna burn them up. We're not gonna we're not gonna destroy them. You know, we're going to put them in a museum called Losersville and you can go visit <laughs> that museum. You know right. what I'm saying? Like it is what it is. I'm not trying to erase history. I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to to I'm, I'm, I'm fighting so that we can realign history, because at the end of the day, these are people who did not. You know, I got into, again, a discussion about this because like we were talking about at the beginning before we started recording, I'm on my Hamilton shit. And, you know, my boy was like, well, what's the difference between George Washington owning slaves and General Lee, the head of the Confederate Army? I'm like, number one, George Washington did own slaves. Right. But this was a person who also encouraged Hamilton to speak about oppression and talk about and write about uh, abolishing slavery. So he never stood in the way of those thoughts. So, yes, he owned slaves, imperfect men at imperfect times. I don't know if that's a great argument. This is where my mentality is at. This is where I'm at in my education, right? And in the things right. that I'm learning about our history. This is how I feel about it right now at the moment. Uh, is there a big, to me, the difference is, is that when it came time at the time of our country where people were men and women stood up and said, hey, no more. We're going to stop doing this. We're going to free these people. We're going to take the chains off. There was a whole group of motherfuckers who were like, nah, man, we're going to kill you for our for, for our property. So this is mm -hmm. our shit. These people are our shit. So to me, that's the difference. When you talk about, you know, choosing and taking sides, these these are people who have no right to yeah. be in our history books. They've got no right to have statues in the middle of a fucking park or for their flag to wave up high on a state building. Fuck you. That's not Southern pride. That is <laughs> that is a, a, a middle finger to the African-American community who yep. this country has kept under their thumb. Well, essentially shit, anyone that isn't like that. white, any right. non-white. Yeah, right. It's a fuck you too. Right. Well, and you bring up exactly. the, the whole uh, which characters we choose to honor and not honor. And I, I get that it's a mixed bag. George Washington had slaves teeth pulled out of their heads so he could make his own dentures. Mm -hmm. He's not the greatest man in the world, but 
again, it's a mixed bag. And I understand if you want to look at some Southern generals and say, all right, these people, you know, fought for something that we think is pretty ugly, but at the same time, maybe they, maybe they were really good people outside of that. I don't know. I, all I know is that at the end of the day, you're either pro slavery or not. And, uh, I just learned about, uh, there's a, God, he was a senator, I believe. His name was John C. Stennis. Mm-hmm. And they actually named an aircraft carrier after him. And my cousin was actually on that aircraft carrier. Now, John C. Stennis, in the 1960s, was completely pro-segregation. And they named a fucking aircraft carrier after this guy. This guy, when they were discussing making Martin Luther King... Uh, his birthday, a, ho- a national holiday, he was against it. Okay? This racist piece of shit had an aircraft carrier named after him. It's everywhere, guys. Yeah. It's and, ingrained. And you brought up, it's ingrained. Brought, yes, and, and you talk about um, like a fucking silly place that they can all go to, like a fucking shitty museum. There's a place called Jesus Land somewhere in the south, and I'm sure there's more than one, but it's an amusement park all about the Bible and Jesus. Mm. Creationism. Yes, yeah. And I wonder if they could just do that for all, like, the Confederacy shit. Just make a, like, a little theme park where you go through and have your whole day just bathed in racism. Just get it out of your system. The thing is, but this is the thing in Germany. Germany embraces their past and looks at it as a shame, a national shame. Right. All depictions of the swastika, all statues of uh, either famous SS or Hitler himself have all been taken down. Now, they have a museum, an actual Nazi museum in Germany. If you want to go to the Nazi museum, you can go there. But it is not held at a hot and in like reverence. Mm. It's a museum held in shame. I would go to that museum to to look at that historically speaking, to look and and the way Germany poses it is we're not gonna pretend this didn't happen. But right. this is a shame. And also there's um Auschwitz, which has been turned into a museum itself. Mm-hmm. And um I actually know a couple people that went to Auschwitz and they were like, there was no celebration there. There was no, they didn't do a balloon lifting or anything. (laughs) So there was no, uh, you know, none of that. No. Um, and then, you know, people with in the South are like, well, you're trying to erase our history. Well, look at Nazi Germany. They're not trying to erase history. They took all of the stuff. They put it in a museum and and it's treated as a shame. They're not waving the Nazi flag. You see more Nazi flag waving in the United States. And the scary part is, is how many times have you seen a Nazi flag, a Confederate flag, and a Trump 2020 Keep America Great flag in one place? Mm-hmm. And people say, well, you know, not all Trump supporters are racist. Yes, but all racists are Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And, and you didn't... Y- you maybe you're not a racist, but you said racism isn't isn't my um isn't where deal I turn breaker. around isn't where I yeah exactly it it's not deal my deal breaker, breaker. and that's the big problem that I have and the amount of dog whistles that that Donald Trump uses in his last thing they asked about police brutality 
And one of the things that came out of his mouth was that fucking statistic. Well, you know, white people are killed more than black people by police. Yeah. That's what he said. And yes, that is, that's a fact. That is a statistic. More white people are murdered by police. However, do you know what probability is, Mr. Trump? If I have a sack with, if I have a sack with a hundred marbles in it, 95 of those marbles are white and five of those marbles are black. You reach your hand in, you're most more likely to pull out a white marble than a black marble. However, of the police encounters of those five black marble marbles, three to four of them are, you know, killed. Mm -hmm. It's called probability. It's called chance. And, and black America, who is the minority is being killed more. And it, it just, it's something that I, some of the smartest people that I know can't wrap their head around something so simple, something we learned, God, in school, in, in elementary school, we learned about probability. I remember with my little marbles on my little fucking sheet, I, <laughs> I learned how that shit works. It's the same fucking thing now. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird place that we're in, man. It's a weird place that we're in. And, uh, and again, it's one of those things, we go back to morals, like either you're, either you're with it or you're not with it. Um, and, and we have to, I hate to draw the line in the sand, but this is, this is where we're at right now. So to me, it's one of those things where it's like, why are, why is this even a discussion? Like wrap all that shit up, put it under, put it in one place and let them and let it be there. Right. We don't need a fucking statue for a history lesson to remember that the civil war happened. We know the civil war war happened. What I don't need is to go down a park in Alabama and see General Lee riding a fucking horse like that guy's mm -hmm. a loser. Put him put him in put him in loserville like it is what it is. You know, uh, it, it, you know, Ger Germany is a great example. You know, you can't bro, go ahead, go go to Germany, get off the plane and try to hail Hitler and see what the fuck happens to you. See if you yeah. don't end up in jail. You know, and this yeah. is where we need to be in this country where, I mean, come on, Americans, D-Day, motherfucker, like, hello, we went over there and beat <laughs> the shit out of these guys. Why is America allowing this this Nazi flag to fly? Why? Because we've got freedom of speech. Like, no, motherfucker. Yes, freedom of speech is super important. It gives me the opportunity to sit here on this podcast and shit on our president. But mm -hmm. it also, it shouldn't give me the right to stand out in the middle of a park and wave a Nazi flag, like mm -hmm. Americans died under that flag, man. Right. Fucking, well, because look, know? the Civil War ended on paper. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It only ended on paper. The hearts and minds of the South have not changed. And this country hasn't changed one bit. We force and cram laws down one another's throats. We say, okay, guess what? I know you don't actually believe in civil rights, so we're going to pass a law saying that it's a law. You have to follow it. Well, they might have to follow it when they're out on the streets, but when they get home, they don't. Mm -hmm. So that's where all this comes from. It's because it never actually went away to begin with. Yeah. You can't just squelch out racism and hate. It just doesn't it doesn't we... work that way, unfortunately. I mean, America is a very unique country in that how it was built and shaped is unlike any other country. And yet we sit here and pretend like, hey, everything's good. We're very progressive and, uh, you know, it's, it's 2020 and we're everything's going forward. No, it's not. Maybe on paper if we're lucky, but that doesn't even shit. It doesn't. It doesn't. You could literally be murdered by a cop in this country if you're a minority. And it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. 
Look at Breonna Taylor's murderers, bro. To talking about a woman who was in bed, laying in fucking bed, no knock warrant, mm-hmm. gets shot through her fucking own door. Nobody's been arrested. Yeah, but yay Nobody. for guns. But yay the for guns, guns are the real hero here. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> well, with with that being said, um, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna do everybody's favorite part of the show. Fuck you. That's right. So we will be right back. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're Don'tForgetAtowl.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. And we are back. Thanks, everyone, for uh, continuing to listen. Um, you know, your ears might be bleeding, but I appreciate you keeping the earbuds in your ears. Um so everyone's favorite part of the show, fuck you, an airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. So, uh, Dan, if you want to uh, give us a start here, and we'll uh, we'll push right along. Okay. Okay. That's nice. Song. I didn't write it, though. Nice. So... Yeah, uh, I guess I have a list, but I'll just start with this one. Yesterday had an issue with some neighbors, uh, and I'm not exaggerating, literally slaughtering geese and goats and chickens in their backyard next to us. Um, and I'm all for a multicultural neighborhood. That's fucking great. Um, but I, what I don't need is people breaking the code laws and um, murdering animals next to my five-year-old and four-year-old and one-year-old and two guests and their baby. Not exactly how they wanted to spend the afternoon smelling literally blow-torched uh, feathers. Not really enjoyable. Sorry. You go, you want to do that? You want to kill your animals and, and, and cook them up any way you want to? You, you do that out in the country somewhere, away from people that have to smell it and see it and hear it. They could hear the goat. Okay. Jesus. I got a picture of the goat. It was actually pretty cute. Brown and white goat. Stuffed in the cage, by the way. They pulled this cage of animals. Stuffed. Stuffed. Their feathers and wings were poking out of it. Yeah. It was a 45-minute drive from wherever they came from, too. So for 45 minutes, they were stuffed without space to breathe or move in this cage. Pulled it out of the back of their uh, big truck and set it down on the ground. My wife was hysterical in tears, calling me frantically. So the police got involved and, uh, you know, I said, look, it's a code compliance issue. We don't really think they're breaking any codes, but they could be. Uh, but so you have to call the code compliance people. Call them. Guess what? It's Saturday. They're fucking closed. So as I'm talking to the police officer, I noticed a little black band over his badge. And I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, what the fuck is that about? And fuck you with this with this victim shit. Fuck you. Poli- you signed up to be a cop. So whatever your morning, whatever this morning tape is, you can go fucking throw it out. Unless, unless a dear friend of his, a fellow officer, was killed unfairly. Okay? Maybe they had a traffic accident, rolled their squad car and died. I, I don't know. If that's, if that's what happened, 
wear your morning tape. But from the research I've seen online, the morning tape is just about any officer who dies in the line of duty. And, and specifically, a lot of them are adapting it to the COVID-19 crisis. Well, what do you fucking do? Officers died in a, from COVID because you had to be out there? Well, a lot of people do. I don't see nurses and doctors putting tape on their arms. Shut the fuck up. Get over it. You signed up for this job, rain or shine. That means mm -hmm. that's your duty. I applaud you for it, but I'm not going to fucking sit here and feel sorry for you. You're in the line mm -hmm. of duty because you chose to be. You signed up to get a badge and a gun and a hefty paycheck with a nice retirement. So shut yep. the fuck up and deal with it. I don't know, yeah. it's a little harsh, but that's my feeling. <laughs> well, that's what fuck you is all about, Dan. Yeah. Thank you. It was that was moving. I feel moved. Um, my, <laughs> my fuck you is actually you're not going to believe this Two Wegmans, 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 Wegmans. I love I love Wegmans. I've always loved Wegmans. I've always been a proponent of Wegmans, but they have done something lately that is inexcusable. Hmm. When you walk into a Wegmans, there are signs everywhere. You need to wear a mask. We are enforcing the mask policy. You have to wear a mask. There, to enter this building for state compliance, you must be wearing a face covering at all times. Then I walk in, and I can now get... There's usually like five to six people I run into while shopping wearing no masks in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And all of them looking around specifically like, oh, someone's going to say something to me, and I'm going to get a chance to be a badass. Yeah. And... <laughs> Well, they need to go to guns, I, guns, guns, guns and get their pin. Exactly. Now, the fuck you to Wegmans is because Wegmans, if you're going to put signs out, you better start enforcing it. You right. better start enforcing it. And when I know that they have security folks that don't believe in the mask policy in their in their real life. It makes me wonder if they're carrying that, their stupidity, into Wegmans itself because of their personal beliefs about masks not being necessary or masks infringing upon the Constitution. So I was in – I was in uh, – I'll, I'll tell you flat out. I was in Wegmans on Ladder Road on Friday evening. Yes, Wegmans on Ladder Road. I walked in to grab a couple things to go and uh, to go and see some friends on Friday night. I had my kid with me. I'm walking away with my groceries in hand. Uh, well, just some cookies and stuff because I was taking my daughter to go play with other kids. And uh, we're walking and I see two young people, you know, uh, no mask on laughing and, and looking around at everyone. And as they walk past me, I couldn't help myself just out loud. I'm like pieces of shit. <laughs> and I just, I kept, I mean, my kid was there. I kind of regret that. That's the only thing I regret. Um, but we're walking and I hear behind me, did that guy just call us pieces of shit? That's all I heard. I kept walking. Nothing came of it. Um, but I, I, I should have, I wanted, part of me wanted to turn around and be like, yes, yes, I did. I hope both of you get COVID and I hope it's painful. I really, really do. So fuck you, Wegmans. Do, do better, Wegmans. Do you're capable yeah. of it, so do better. Do better. That's my fuck you. 
So, you know, there's that just made me feel like, you know what, I, my fuck you. I wanted to direct it towards Mitch McConnell because this is a man who stands in the way of progress, has been standing in the way of progress for a lot for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. So but I, I feel like I have a responsibility as a Florida resident to to say fuck you to Florida. Right. <laughs> because as a state. You're failing. Right. As 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 a, as a people, we are failing the rest of the fucking country um, and they're laughing at us and they're making and there's jokes and there's just this level of ignorance in this state in particular, South, in particularly South Florida, where I grew up, that is beyond my understanding. It has it has completely just perplexed me in, 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 in the most confounding way. Um, so I just, you know, I want to say, you know, fuck you to the people who are living on the day-to-day -day basis with the fact here in this state, with the facts that they think that this is a hoax, mm -hmm. that the mask is going to make you breathe carbon monoxide, uh, that the mask is for sick people and not for healthy people. Um, so I got a two prong fuck you, man, because, you know, on one side, you know, fuck you to Mitch, because you you don't allow progress in this country. You're not even allowing us to even get a second stimulus because you and your cronies mm -hmm. have this little fucking plan. And mm -hmm. uh, and then the other side is the other fuck you is for my my home state where I live currently. Fuck you to all of you who are listening, who are not wearing masks. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm with Rocco on that. Like you're just the scum that like builds around the ring of your bathtub if you don't wash it and clean it. And that's what you are. And I don't wish sick upon you, but I do, I do wish that you have to experience what is happening to other people in some sort of way, maybe not directly to you or a family member, but in some way you actually see this thing uh, face, you know, uh, face to face and you realize what a fucking moron or what morons you have been to continue mm -hmm. to buy into these stupid internet rumors and videos of YouTube doctors telling you that masks are not good. So fuck you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a billion <laughs> doctors on the earth, on the earth. And then one, one of them has a YouTube channel. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Right? Thank you. Like, I'm, that, was, uh... that was very good, man. I, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, we gotta have you on the show again very soon. Yes. Uh, yes. because we were only scratching the surface of, of your very, shiny head so we gotta get in there <laughs> it is shiny yeah is shiny. <laughs> i uh i echo the sentiment um thanks for being with us today i can't tell you how much i appreciate it um just fantastic to have you on finally thank you man. yeah it was a long time coming <laughs> if, yeah it felt like we were like it was never gonna happen but we finally got it done <laughs> I'm I'm super glad. Um, before I uh, give our ending sounders, um, or our, our ending advertisers, or whatever the hell you want to call them, um, do you want to talk slut it up? Tell the people where they can find you and your creativity. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, uh, you can find me on Facebook under Ruben Romero, R-U-B-E-N-R-O-M-E-R-O. -E -E I've got my personal page, and then I've got a, a writer page that you can follow. You can find me on Instagram at 
Random, R-A-N-D-O-M, Jedi Solo. Um, and then you can come follow me on Twitter where I scream at the president and co- you know constantly and just tweet him all kinds of shit uh, at Thinkalike Pro. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, one of my favorite pastimes. I just love getting on Twitter and making his life miserable. My goal is to get blocked. I haven't, I haven't got in there yet. But, oh, no. uh, but I'm, I'm gonna ramp it up. Come, you know, come November. To, you know, come getting closer to November. I'm gonna yeah, ramp yeah. up my tweets. So hopefully he'll block me before November, uh, and then I'll have my, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. You know, that's great. Screenshot that. Screenshot that, please. Hashtag if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well. Thanks again, man. I can't thank you enough. Um, for those of you listening, comment, share, listen. Um, it's it's you guys, the fans of our show, that make us continue to do this. We thank you for listening. Um, I want to thank the guys over at Insensitive Culture Podcast. Um, if you're not listening to them, you should be. Um, I want to thank everyone over at Don'tForgetATowel.com. You can find us there along with my other podcast that myself and Ruben are on, Star Warriors. Um, And we've been doing a Star Wars RPG podcast as well. So please check us out there. Um, If you have a beard and you are a sexy man with a beard, check out the Genesee Beard Company because they'll make your beard look good and sexy. And uh, other than that, I don't know, Dan, am I missing anyone? Nope. Party on. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Peace. Peace. They come from butt. <laughs>